Welcome to Short Course, episode 64, for August 25th, 2019. I'm your host, Ben Barry. So, my last episode was in May or so, and I think it actually ended up being, it ended up working out that I took a break from the podcast, mostly just because um, things things have just been really busy. Uh, for the most part, I'd say most of it's coming from work, just lots to do, and it's it's very sort of draining work these days. And so there really just hasn't been that much. I, I, I haven't been practicing either live or dry fire really much at all. And so the fact that I sort of managed to take a break from the podcast right on the leading edge of that, I think ended up working out fairly well. Uh, because, I mean, to be totally honest, I, I haven't had that much to talk about. That said, I, I do still think about practical shooting a lot. I still am, you know, working towards going to nationals this year, which luckily, uh, as it would happen, the Nationals is very late in the season this year, and so the fact that I've basically taken somewhere between, I don't know, six weeks, two months, something like that, off of practice, I, you know, there's still time to turn it around. I don't even want to say turn it around, um, because I honestly, I don't feel like I've really lost that much. It's just I've sort of been in the same place. And the reason I say that is I have, so the one club match that is closest to my house that is usually eight stages almost every month and pretty high level. I mean, this is a, this is the, the Sir Walter USPSA match. If you watch my YouTube videos, you've seen it. I mean, this is, this is a high quality club match. It's on par with, I think it certainly would be a, if people went to it as a state match, I don't think they would be disappointed, but it's just, it's just our, our local club match. And so I've been going to that one. Uh, that's actually the only match that I shot in July. And again, it's been the only match that I've shot now in August. So, you know, in the last two months, I've shot two matches. Both of them were that one. And what I found particularly interesting about the August match was mostly just that I went in with deliberately low expectations. I said, I haven't been practicing. I feel like I was making some good progress in practice. I had some idea of of things I was working on, and I really had some sort of conscious cues that I that I wanted to visualize into my stages to to summon that technique change. And I was just going to go in, do the best I could and, and shoot. And honestly, I ended up shooting fairly well. Um, you know, it's always interesting trying to, to rank things at a club match. But I ended up, you know, if I even if I lumped in the single stack and production guys together, which made sense because there were stages that I won in production, but single stack shooter beat me on. Even if I lumped those two together in, in practice score competitor, I still ended up coming out on the, the between those two divisions combined. I, I managed to take the match win just by being relatively consistent and shooting relatively well throughout the match. And on, I think I was a little bit surprised by that. I think on the whole, I shot better than I was expecting to. And the, the places I was most disappointed in my performance were the places where I, I kind of gave myself a hall pass because I said, ah, I, I'm not really that trained up. Like, I got an okay stage plan. I'm, I'm just going to step up and shoot this one. I, I wasn't taking it. I was deliberately not taking it too seriously because I didn't want to set my expectations too high. But I think I maybe overcorrected on that. I think if my expectations had been two notches higher... I might actually have shot a little bit better just by putting a little bit more pressure on myself. I think I, I just overcorrected a little bit too much by trying to back things off. But still a good match. Uh, honestly, looking at it, I don't really have that many things to take away. Like For the most part, the shooting was good. Uh, clipped a no-shoot by a half inch, just shooting too fast, but I called it and made it up immediately. 
but on on the whole for the the whole match looking sort of on average at, at all the performance the, the main thing that i was looking for was really controlling the gun having not so much fast splits but having the gun return ready to shoot and bringing the gun between targets and and being able to shoot each target quickly instead of trying to sort of shoot as early as possible on each target and that's basically what i've what i've been working on in my training such as it's been the past couple of months and part of what I wanted to get on the podcast and talk about was actually something that I've been sort of turning over in my head as I've been going through the the past couple of months with just, I mean, in particular in the evenings, whether it's podcasting or dry fire, because I've sort of prioritized other things above that, obviously work, keeping money coming in, paying the bills and making sure, you know, the family's taken care of, then it's sort of on to some of the more flexible priorities. And one of the things that I've been doing recently is, is I've actually flipped and I've actually made, uh, exercising and physical fitness a higher priority than practice just because I want to, well, ideally I'd have both, uh, but it's easier just to kind of mindlessly just get a workout in when a lot of times if you just try and mindlessly dry fire, I, I find I tend to either ingrain bad habits or I just get more frustrated and discouraged. Whereas honestly, the, the nice thing about a workout, if you structure it correctly, the, the nice thing about a workout is even if you do it poorly, as long as you don't injure yourself, as long as you just get through it, you've, you've at least accomplished the goal. You know, you've, you've strengthened some muscles, you've worn yourself out. So there's, there's a, a virtue in the fact that you don't necessarily have to bring mindfulness and intentionality to use some buzzwords, uh, to a, to a good workout. Sometimes you can just kind of make it happen. And so that's, I've made the decision that that's a higher priority recently. And the idea is that that is still in the framework of working towards nationals. I want to be in a, in better physical shape by the time nationals rolls around. But while it was easy to get a, a dry fire session in now and then it was interesting how actually sitting down to record the podcast felt like it was a bigger deal. It felt like it was a, a taller mountain to climb and I think a lot of that is just because I had set such high standards for myself and and set such a rigid schedule. And I think in the beginning there was there was some kind of reasonable purpose for that. I, I think I was used to doing a weekly podcast and I wanted I, I wanted the feeling that sometimes a schedule will force you to take material that may not you may not think is quite ready for prime time. And if you run with it, you actually develop it into something worthwhile. And there is some truth to that. But that that sort of comes at the cost of not always being as proud as you could be that that you really let something develop. You know, sometimes if you actually think on something for another week or two, it actually gets better. And so sometimes I, I had a feeling that maybe I'd, I'd used up a topic before I was really ready to talk about it. But I I had just somehow in my head, I just always had, had said, if I'm going to do this, I'm either going to be all on or all off. And so if I was going to be doing podcasts, you know, from the, when I, when I launched it, I did a show every week. I took a break in the, in the off season last winter, kind of took a while to get back into it. And then once I did, I was, I was really sticking to that one a week schedule. And I realized that, that it really, I think had, has outlived its usefulness in, in particular, just with sort of the juggling of, of priorities. I think that what it ended up doing, and this is, I think what is interesting to talk about today is it was a it was a very rigid framework. And the value of that was that it, it kind of kept me going through certain periods of 
uh, let's say, lower motivation. But the issue with really rigid things is they tend to be brittle. So you think about ceramic, you think about glass. They are very strong materials until they break. And when they break, they just completely shatter. And that's kind of how I look at, at this schedule that I'd had for the podcast. And when I look at, say, my live fire schedule, which one of the changes that I've made this summer was starting to try and live fire more on when I, when I could get a session in and by having that be sort of a deliberately ad hoc schedule, even though the the level of practice has, has greatly decreased in the last couple of months, it always felt like I was, I, I hadn't, I wasn't all the way turned off. The switch wasn't flipped off. The dial was just turned down lower. Whereas the podcast, I, I sort of had this binary, you know, switch mentality. And so once I flipped the switch off, I felt like if I was going to turn the switch back on, if I was going to get back into podcasting, then I had to be ready to start doing a podcast a week. And that just, I, I just knew that wasn't going to happen. And it's not going to happen. I'm going to put this podcast out and then I'll do the next one whenever I have something to talk about. Hopefully it won't be another three months, but if it is, so be it. You know, it doesn't cost you guys anything to, to stay subscribed. And so... It'll be what it is, but that is actually, I'm realizing that relaxing that constraint is actually making me want to want to record again, because I, I, I would sort of think about recording an episode when I had an evening free or something, but then I thought, well, if I turn, you know, if I turn the switch back on, then I'm committed. I got to start. And eventually I just thought, no, like I make the rules. I, I can, I can relax this constraint. And so I'm actually going to record this and put it out without any plan for when to put out the next one. And that's fine. And this is entirely relevant because I think it is very tempting in practice and in matches. We we have to balance schedules and scheduling and, and planning. If you only ever practice when you feel like it, you're never going to practice enough. And so you need some kind of schedule, some kind of routine, or at the very least, some kind of prioritization scheme where you know that putting on the gear and practicing comes before hopping on YouTube and watching shooting videos. But as with anything, that that can go too far. You can have a schedule that is too rigid. I think this is something that that Steve Anderson talks about, where if if you have, for example, if you go to a match and you tell yourself you're going to shoot a penalty-free match, that is, that can be, that is a very strong but fragile mindset. Because if you shoot a miss on, you know, a reasonably difficult target on the second stage of eight or 10 of 12, then you feel like you were a failure. You've, you've failed at your goal for the day and there's no bringing it back. Whereas if you have a more sort of flexible or, or adjustable mindset where you're saying, you know, you take it into each stage and each stage you're trying to shoot clean, then that doesn't break as easily. And so if there's anything to take away from this break in the podcast, a, a sort of lesson that that I'm taking away, and hopefully you guys as well. It's it's that there is power to having a very rigid schedule, to having a very rigid framework for something, but just watch out because it, it does have a dark side, and and if you if you break it, it can become a spiral. It's hard to recover from, and sometimes it can sort of stretch you into going past your breaking point, and then you you burn out hard. Um, I haven't burned out on shooting or on the podcast. Uh, but there definitely was a, a a point where I thought I need to figure out what I'm doing with this thing and how it's going to fit in because what's going the way it's working right now isn't working. And 
I've sort of done that. And, and the, the main thing is just relaxing that, that weekly constraint. So future episodes as they're, as they're available. And I'm sure the format will change a little bit. I'm actually doing this. This is actually interesting. This is the first time in 64 episodes that I'm doing this without any notes at all, just off the top of my head. Didn't want to over-prepare, just wanted to get this out there without sort of taking... I knew that if I if I started writing it out and started trying to make a big thing out of it, I, I would try and make it too perfect and, and, oh, this is my first podcast back. I gotta, I gotta make it all, you know, as good as it can be. Nope, just hit record and, and here we are. Now, I will say I did have a, a rough outline for some of the things I wanted to talk about. So the that update and the the sort of topic of, of rigidity versus flexibility, that's part of it. And one other thing that I wanted to do and just try, because one of the other things that I'm going to be doing with the podcast is just tinkering with the format a little bit more, trying different things. But one thing that I wanted to do here was to read a blog post that I wrote. So one of the things that I've been doing over the past couple of months, I've only written a couple, but as I would come up with something that I knew in in you know previous times I would have made a podcast episode about, uh, if I had a topic, then I would sometimes write a blog post. And I actually like writing blog posts. I feel like they're a little bit more durable. You can you can go back and refer to them, and I think they they can spread a little bit more. It's it's really hard to link to a podcast. You can't just kind of pull up a podcast in your browser. But everything trade trade offs and everything. So podcasts have a they have a different flavor, but uh, this is a this is a blog post that I wrote, and I don't know that I can really tell the story any better than I than I wrote it. So I'm I'm actually just going to read it as written. If you want to read this, it's at berryshooting.com/blog/more-reps, or if you just search more reps berry shooting or berryshooting.com, however you however you want to find it, the the title of the post is more reps. At a match last weekend, while our squad was shooting the classifier, a friend who practices a lot but only gets to shoot one match a month asked me, how do you guys reload like that? I'd try and practice reloads and mine are never that smooth. And then he mimed fumbling a reload as I started to consider what he was asking. What do you do, he asked. Do you just do more reps? Now, I don't know what others do. I just know what's worked for me. But here's what I told him. More reps won't fix doing the wrong thing. All that more reps can accomplish is to let you take a technique that you do correctly while you're thinking about it and be able to do it correctly without thinking about it. That's it. When I've had breakthroughs, it's always been by figuring out exactly where to direct my attention at the right time. When I relax my hands and get ready to draw, figuring out what feeling I should hold in my head of what I want my hand on the gun to feel like as soon as the buzzer goes off. When I start to do a reload, figuring out what feeling I want to have of the base pad of the new magazine in my left hand. I used to have slow reloads because when I started doing the reload, I thought about the right hand first and focused on ejecting the magazine straight down while I let my left hand go on autopilot to grab the magazine. Eventually, I realized that dropping the old magazine requires very little precision, but I was having bad reloads because of a sloppy grip on the new magazine. Because the limiting factor of the speed of a reload is the time to get the new mag to the gun, by prioritizing that aspect of the reload, the entire movement got faster. I also started getting a more precise grip on the magazine because I was giving my mind a higher resolution picture of the result that I wanted. Having a better grip on the mag immediately helped making inserting it more consistent. So for me, improvements are always about focus, figuring out exactly what to focus on in exactly the right order. That's where the breakthroughs come from. Once you figure out what to focus on, 
You dry fire and think about those focus points while you practice. Then on match day, you just trust that they'll happen. When I'm actually shooting a stage, I'm not thinking about those focus points. Right before the buzzer, I'll think about the grip I want to have, but after that, it's just letting the visualization happen, watching the sights and calling the shots. So, no. If you have an inefficient or imprecise technique, don't try and make it better just by throwing more reps at it, trying to make it better. Instead, spend your reps trying to make it different. Experiment to try and figure out what you're missing. In the case of a reload, try reloading with a gun higher or lower, further out or further in. Start with the fresh magazine already in your hand. When you bang the magazine off the magwell, pause and look at how the magazine is sitting in your hand. Rewind your motions and try to see exactly how you grabbed the magazine out of the pouch that led to that bad result. If all else fails, put on some music and do reps for five minutes and just try to see patterns between the good reps and the bad reps. Push yourself to do it two-tenths faster than your normal part-time just to force the wheels to fall off and then observe what happens when they do. Try to solve backwards and figure out based on where the failure happened where the flaw is in your technique. It's like pressure testing a compressor. You keep pumping more and more air into the tank until it starts leaking out. You find out where the leak is, you reinforce or you replace that part, and you keep repeating. There are no magic foolproof techniques that the best shooters have figured out. Even at the top of the sport, the guys that are still improving are going through this exact process of identifying the leaks and plugging them. Their leaks are just smaller, but they're not different people than you or me. They just started sooner and plugged all the big leaks already. So decide what you want to improve and follow this process. Iterate until you find the right combination of mental focus points to produce better results. And as an aside, one bonus of this approach is that it even works for skills that you don't use all that often. For example, if you spend a few weeks practicing shooting weekend and find the right set of mental focus points to do it well, then just remember those. Even if you haven't practiced that skill regularly and you come up to a stage where you have to use it, just remember those focus points and work them into your visualization. It works a lot better than trying to shoot a bunch of rounds on that particular skill when you see it in the matchbook at an upcoming major. Again, all I know is what's in my head, but I would bet good money that this is, in one form or another, what the successful high-end shooters are doing. They don't just shoot until they get a subjective feel for how something should go. They shoot until they find the set of repeatable focus points to produce a given result on demand. And then they remember them. Before a big match, they might go and refresh them just to make sure they're remembering everything clearly. But they're not trying to memorize the right speed. They're just trying to refresh the memory of those focus points. Well, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. Talk to you next time.